I'm Ty Wyckoff, and this is the Millennial's Guide to This Historic Moment. did not create most of the conditions and the convictions which have led us to this day. But this generation has a responsibility to resolve them. Just as a quick heads up, we talk about the main Senate debate with Susan Collins and Sarah Gideon. This episode was recorded before their debate last night. So the clips that you hear in this one are not from Monday night's debate. These are from the debate that they had a few weeks ago. So if you're looking for commentary on that, I do not have it, but stick around. I would love to hear your thoughts on how my commentary on the race up until that point fits in with how you think the debates went. So stick around, then send me an email at thishistoricmoment at gmail.com and let me know. Brace yourselves, the debates are coming. That's right, Tuesday night. Tomorrow, as of this recording, incumbent President Donald Trump and former Vice President Joe Biden will be taking the debate stage for the first time, the first of three, and it comes right on the heels of breaking news over the weekend. Donald Trump's taxes, the thing he has been trying to conceal for years, are finally exposed, and it's pretty much what we expected. Tax avoidance, having paid no income taxes for years, except in 2016 as he was running for president when he only paid $750 in income taxes. We're going to be talking about this more in my next episode, as well as covering what ends up unfolding on the debate stage, so be sure to check back here later this week for that. But today's episode kicks off what I have named, endearingly of course, The Vulnerable Republicans Caucus, focusing on Senate battleground races that could determine whether or not Democrats can flip the Senate. I'm going to try to be doing this in addition to regular episodes, so hopefully I'll be getting out two episodes a week, and hopefully a bit more consistently because there's so much going on. October surprises are coming earlier and more often every election it seems, and if there are this many September surprises, Halloween is basically going to be April Fool's Day. Well, 2020 is already as if 1918, 1929, and 1935 all went out to the bars on catastrophic years drink for free night, which essentially means that every day is St. Patrick's Day for me. Cheers. Until January or so, the Senate seemed likely to stay within Republican control. That's changed. Democrats have moved within striking distance of flipping the chamber. In the summer of 2019, There were only three Republican senators that were truly vulnerable. Senators Cory Gardner of Colorado, Martha McSally of Arizona, and Susan Collins of Maine. Since then, five other senators have joined them. Tom Tillis of North Carolina, Kelly Loeffler and David Perdue, both of Georgia. Joni Ernst of Iowa, and for the first time in a long time, my home state is on that list, with Republican Senator Steve Daines of Montana. We're going to be talking about all of them, 
If we discuss a race that happens in your state and you have any questions or need more information, you can reach out to me at thishistoricmoment at gmail.com and I'd be glad to help you find whatever resources you need. Speaking of debates and Senate races with vulnerable Republicans, Maine with the incumbent Republican Senator Susan Collins facing off with her Democratic challenger Sarah Gideon, and the clear loser of the debate was independent candidate Max Lynn. If you've never heard of him, don't feel too bad. I've never heard of him either until I watched the debate, but I've got to say, it was not a great night for Mr. Lynn. How would you ensure that everyone who needs health care has access to it and can afford it? Right, and Rachel, that's an excellent question. But as I mentioned, I've got to be way outside the box tonight. I have to be different because I'm competing against $100 million. And so I'm going to put your question aside, and I have a bombshell to announce tonight. You know, right now, I would ask that you stick with the question. Well, uh, request denied. Uh, What I'd like to say is the eyes and ears. How many people up to 80? Let me interrupt for a second, Mr. Lindy. Do you have any interest in health care? That's the Uh, round I'm talking about. And I think let's talk about that and we can talk about other things Uh, later. Request denied again. Please realize, well, I haven't started my time. I'm addressing this and you're already flashing me. Well, that was the time allotted and that's how it was used. Okay, well, then. In order for me to be the U.S. Senate candidate, I have to be out of the box tonight. And we need to I've know where you stand the on the issues as well. And I've got to be different. All right, Mr. And Lynn, thank as you. A, as a moderator, I want the question, but I don't want to be judged on my answer. Are the main we're, we're voters on, on November 3rd. Max, so now a, you're taking my yeah, time. Yeah, well, I you're, you're request that you don't interrupt me because I'm already fighting against $100 million. I don't want to fight the moderators all night. And part of my strategy is to be outside the box. All right. <laughs> I'm going to have a really hard time getting through this bit, guys, but bear with me. I mean, if you have to say that's my strategy, you're doing it wrong. And I've made a brand new website never seen in American politics before. And right now, we're sampling Susan's supporters and Sarah's supporting uh, supporters, and it's converting at a rate of somewhere between 85 to 90%. It's a website that's never been seen in American history before. And it will set to 90% the, of what? It will set uh, of their supporters. So of 90, all their supporters. All you have a website that's counting all of it. Yeah, it's bringing them to me. It's called the Converter website, never seen in American history before. Well, hundreds of millions. How many people have been to your website? Oh, uh, well, no, it's we've already tested it with about 100 people and somewhere between 80 <laughs> okay. to 85 percent. Right. Well, all, right. all they have to do, all you have to do is go to it. And I promise you, the main voters who really want to see what Mr. I'm Lynn, talking about, it's at Matt. You've made your point. Thank you. <laughs> this is my fourth time trying to record this bit. I'm going to try one more time. But if I can't do it, then this is the take that's going in. So if you're hearing this. But this debate was more about incumbent Republican Senator Susan Collins and her Democratic challenger, Sarah Gideon. What she's proposing is that a single mom pay a tax penalty of $1,000. Now, Senator Collins likes to be on both sides of the health care issue holding up her vote against repealing it on one hand, but voting 12 times to either undermine it or repeal it another. I have applied exactly the same standards to all the judicial appointments that I've been called to vote upon. 
We have seen nominees come from this president that are unqualified and not fit to be judicial nominees, yet Senator Collins has voted as of this week for 170 of them, some of them who the American Bar Association said were literally unqualified to become a judge. Now, Sarah Gideon's best shot in this race really is to bind Susan Collins to Donald Trump. And you can tell. Listen to how she tries to avoid this question. So I want to ask Senator Collins who she thinks should be leaving this country. She has neglected to answer that question, and I'd like to give her the opportunity tonight. I think Joe Biden should be our leader to help us through with public health and rebuilding an economy. I don't think that the people of Maine need my advice on whom to support for president. And I think that is why people keep asking Senator Collins who she thinks should be leading this country. It's not that Mainers are looking for advice about who to vote for. It's that they want to know who their senator thinks should be leading us. Now, regardless of your politics, Gideon did a pretty good pivot here. But she did have her moments of fumbling later in the debate. When Collins pivoted back, very quickly, we do our I would say to Sarah that she's been very critical of my support for Justice Kavanaugh. Would she have voted for Justice Roberts? Would you? Uh, I believe I would have to fully study and be able to answer that she's question. She's ducking the question. Now, Collins has said that she didn't vote for Trump in 2016 and that she has decided to not commit to voting for one of the candidates. And that's a really unique position to be in as a senator. I find that really interesting. But again, it shows you how desperate she is to avoid being attached to Trump. And I'm speaking purely politically here, because it's clear that the more she's attached to Trump, the better her chances are of losing. Now, Collins did critique the president's handling of COVID-19. I believe that the president should have been straightforward with the American people. I have said since the beginning that the president's performance has been uneven and that he should follow the advice of his excellent medical advisors. But I don't know how strong this actually was. For the last four years, every egregious thing the president has done, Collins has not had very strong responses. During the campaign, you wrote that the president's lack of self-restraint was creating the possibility for a more perilous world. Has that come to pass? The president's comments at times have not been helpful in promoting uh, stability and reassuring our allies, but he is the president, and I understand that. And as I said, I hope that he'll be more careful with his words in the future. I understand how difficult and frustrating this investigation is for the president, but he should not say anything further about the special counsel, his staff, or the investigation. It's not okay. I thought the president made a big mistake by uh, asking China to get involved in investigating a political opponent. It's completely inappropriate. Are you confident that the president won't seek foreign assistance again? I believe that the president has learned from this case. What do you believe the president has learned? The president has been impeached. That's a pretty big lesson. I'm voting to acquit 
because I do not believe that the behavior alleged reaches the high bar in the Constitution for overturning an election and removing a duly elected president. But the president says he did nothing wrong. Why do you think he learned something? He was impeached, and there has been criticism by both Republican and Democratic senators of his call. I believe that he will be much more cautious in the future. Susan Collins is seeking a fifth term, having been one of Maine's two senators for years. She's always been very popular in the state and well-known for her moderate views. But for her and other moderate Republican senators like her, things have gotten a bit complicated in the Trump era. The base of the Republican Party has grown increasingly polarized, with hardline, non-negotiable stances on things like immigration, gun rights, and so on. Moderate Republicans, however, tend to be less ideological about it. They're in favor of tax cuts, restrained government, they're typically religious, and they generally hold a lot of conservative views like that. However, it's how they hold those views that makes them distinct from the base of the party. And nowhere is this clearer than in the voters that Donald Trump absolutely needs in order to win this election. Yep, you guessed it, suburban voters. Have I said that enough yet? Suburban moderate Republicans have a lot of typical conservative views, but again, they're not as ideologically rigid about those views. They want to see corporations held accountable. They want government intervention when it's warranted, as for instance, with gun violence, something that has made them not too happy with the Republican Party for its inaction. They care about, and they believe in, climate change. And with aging parents, they're concerned about health care. In fact, Obamacare and Medicare are very popular programs with suburban voters. But Donald Trump has never really shown an interest in catering to this segment of the Republican Party. And it's really been a mistake. Now, the Republican Party has gotten themselves into this electoral quagmire where they're increasingly losing moderate voters, so they have to amp up their appeals to the base by turning out more base voters. But amping up the base results in more alienated moderates, and so it's become this vicious circle. And to be clear, the Republican Party has been going down this road for a long time, long before Donald Trump. In fact, while Donald Trump has accelerated that trend, I would argue that in a lot of ways Trump is the result of that trend more than he is the propagator of it. The point here is that senators like Susan Collins are now having to come to grips with the consequences of that trend, fairly or unfairly. Collins, like many moderate Republicans, is pro-choice. Man, that's a pretty popular position in the state of Maine. Now, if you remember Brett Kavanaugh's nomination, it was brutal for everyone. But one of the other concerns from some voters about Kavanaugh before the sexual allegations had come out was that he was pro-life. Now, Susan Collins had promised her constituency that she wouldn't vote for Kavanaugh if she felt that Kavanaugh would be a threat to Roe v. Wade, the landmark Supreme Court decision that determined choice to be constitutional. And I remember this moment really clearly, everything leading up to that vote. Collins was essentially a swing vote in Kavanaugh's nomination, so all eyes were on her until the last moment before the vote when she gave her speech on the Senate floor. 
There has also been considerable focus on the future of abortion rights based on the concern that Judge Kavanaugh would seek to overturn Roe v. Wade. Protecting this right is important to me. I asked the judge point blank whether he had made any commitments or pledges to anyone at the White House, to the Federalist Society, to any outside group on how he would decide cases. He unequivocally assured me that he had not. Regardless of what you believe about abortion, the idea that Kavanaugh wouldn't threaten Roe v. Wade is hard to believe when he has a long record of attacking abortion. You could tell by excitement on the right and particularly evangelical voters. Now, this summer, the Supreme Court struck down a very restrictive Louisiana law on abortion when Chief Justice Roberts voted with the liberals on the court. However, Kavanaugh had voted to maintain those restrictions, which would have effectively left the entire state with only one clinic. When the opinion came down, Collins was pressed on it, of course, considering the bet she had made on Kavanaugh. Not too long after, Collins said that she had agreed with the court's decision in the case and added that, quote, while Justice Kavanaugh called for additional fact-finding in this case, he gave no indication in his dissenting opinion that he supports overturning Roe. Again, I think this says a lot about the position Susan Collins is in when your pivots are that transparent. You've got to be in trouble. Collins also didn't really do herself any favors when she voted to acquit the president during the impeachment trial. Again, that's a whole thing too, and I am really trying to fit in an episode here soon on the impeachment trial before the election, because when that happened, I traveled to the depths and watched all two and a half weeks of it every single second, and I think it's only fair that I take you with me. But really, that's the point of the show and what this is all about. I do incredibly mentally unhealthy things, so you don't have to. Now, the recent vacancy on the Supreme Court complicates things for Collins. The backlash she's currently facing is because of her vote for Kavanaugh and because he was perceived to be anti-choice. Now, Donald Trump has announced another anti-choice nominee, Amy Coney Barrett. But before I wrap up with one final thought on that, If you've been enjoying the show, please leave me a rating and an honest review because that helps me reach a wider audience and your feedback helps me to create a better show. You can also email me your feedback, questions, corrections, topics you want me to cover, or just to say hello. You can email me at thishistoricmoment at gmail.com and I will be glad to respond as I can. And if you live in Maine and have any questions about the Senate race, again, that's thishistoricmoment at gmail.com and I'll be glad to help you find any resources that you need. We unfortunately didn't have time to get to independent Lisa Savage, who is also on the debate stage. She is running for the Senate seat as well, so if you live in Maine, look her up so you can make sure that you've reviewed all of your options. Now, Amy Coney Barrett is seen as a conservative hero of sorts. If I'm not mistaken, she either clerked for Justice Scalia or he was her mentor or something. But because she is anti-choice, there's no doubt this puts Collins into more of a bind. Now, as of this recording, Collins has said that she does not support a vote before the election. And while that sounds like a fairly honorable thing, considering the rest of her party is doing wild intellectual acrobatics to justify their positions, 
I think this is probably the wisest thing Collins could do at this point. The last place she wants to find herself is the center of another Brett Kavanaugh situation just weeks before her election. Because the question now is, will Maine decide to keep Susan Collins? Only time will tell. But there is one thing we know for certain. In 2014, Collins won re-election by 37 points. Today, Sarah Gideon is leading her by five. I believe that the president has learned from this case. Request denied. did not create most of the conditions and the convictions which have led us to this day, but this generation has a responsibility to resolve them.